Please take your Bibles this morning with me and open them to our study of Revelation. We find ourselves again in Revelation chapter 14 as we continue to march our way through this most wonderful and glorious vision that the Apostle John has been given concerning the the final seven years before Christ returns to the earth. We know at this point in chapter 14 in our study that we are looking closely at what is an an overview, really, of the entire tribulation period. And that is to say that from chapter 12 through chapter 15, if you've read through Revelation yourself, you notice a little difference going on. And in chapter 12 through 15, we have been seeing... uh, Not the chronological events of the tribulation, but rather an overview of the whole tribulation period from the perspective of heaven. Hence, we've called this signposts in heaven as a as an ultimate title for our series. And we have been seeing specifically in our study of this entire section, the who and the what of all that is going on behind the scenes, who is behind what is happening on the earth and what is behind what is going on behind the earth so or on the earth so we we have been looking at chapter 14 in our study as the power of satan is being vanquished satan's power uh, over the things of the earth the prince of the power of the air as he is called in ephesians chapter or uh, the book of ephesians his power is now being vanquished and all of that is being unfolded here in chapter 14 under these seven pictures, what we have been looking at as John sees them, these seven pictures. We've already looked at four of them. You probably remember yourselves also already the presentation of the gospel or the presentation of God's witnesses in verses 1 to 5. As Jesus Christ, we get this glimpse from behind the scenes as Christ is now on the earth just before the millennial kingdom is established. Christ standing on Mount Zion, which is Jerusalem, and with him the 144,000 who have been secured by God, have their names of God written on their foreheads, and they have been continually preserved through the tribulation as they have been one of the witnesses to the people of the earth as the destruction and mayhem of the wrath of God is being poured out upon the earth. They are blameless. These are Jewish men who are preaching the word of God. Then, of course, we saw picture number two, three and four last week as the preaching of God's word continues to go forth in This angel, in verse 6, flying in mid-heaven as God uh, allows this angel to go and preach the eternal gospel unhindered by anything on the earth, unhindered by any demonic forces, because prior to this, obviously all the demonic forces and Satan himself have been cast down to the earth. So he is unhindered. Every tongue, every nation, every tribe, every people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ to fear God, to glorify God, and to worship the creator rather than the creature. And then the second angel, in beginning in verse 8, pronounces the destruction of apostate worship, the destruction of this false worship system that has been leading the people into 
uh, a worship of the Antichrist and rather than a worship of God. And so this angel pronounces the destruction of all of that. And then, of course, verses 9 to 11, the doom uh, that comes for anyone who follows the Antichrist is an eternal doom. Those who have the image of the beast upon their forehead or on their hand will drink the wine of the wrath of God. The unmixed, unmitigated, undiluted wrath of God upon them will be uh, poured out and they will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and of Jesus Christ until forever and ever and ever. Therefore, it never ends. They have no rest and their torment is forever. And this morning, we need to begin to focus our attention then on these final three pictures. And the power of Satan being vanquished completely. So follow along as I read for us, beginning in verse 12. John says, here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Holy Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow with them. And I looked and behold, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, because the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. He who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple with which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. And another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar, and he, pulled, or he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. And the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the vine of the earth, and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. This is an incredible view, if you will, from heaven as to the, the final outworking of God's destruction upon the earth against the backdrop of the global beast worship that is taking place during the tribulation. There are those here that we see first who have heeded the call of God upon their hearts. Against all of what might seem to be insurmountable odds against the, the midnight blackness of sin that is raging upon the earth in the heart of man, some have been saved. Some have come to know God through Jesus Christ. And this is the fifth picture that we see here. The assurance given concerning these tribulation saints. This is the picture that I want us to focus our attention on this morning, right here in verses 12 and 13. 
John says, just to remind us again, here is the perseverance, or here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Here is the perseverance, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. It is obvious that these two verses are about those who die. I've been thinking about this subject for a considerable amount of time this week. And as a pastor, I have had the privilege of being a part of a whole host of funerals, uh, no matter where I've been in the country. In fact, as I speak these words, even this morning, we have several among us who have intimately known the emotions of death, even in recent days. In fact, I dare say that there's anybody in this room here, even this morning, that has not been close to the subject of death in their life. And every time... There is a very profound sense of hurt and emotional difficulty. Every time we think of death, every time we are close to death, we sense hurt. We have a difficulty in our own emotion. And my intent this morning certainly is not to stir up the past. But rather, my intent this morning is to allow us to see just how God sees death so that it might assure us and comfort us who believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, the words that we hear in these verses are rather shocking, really. John is not simply observing this, but John is hearing it as a command. John is hearing the verdict of heaven concerning death. He is commanded to write it down as a perpetual mandate For all to hear, this is a divine decree from God. Here's the decree. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. That's a decree from God. It is a perpetual reality of the view of death from heaven. And it seems rather contrary to our human understanding. Seems rather odd, actually. Seems even oxymoronic to be even thinking that the dead are blessed and yet that's the divine decree coming from God himself blessed are the dead blessed is an interesting term it means in its most simplest definition to be fully satisfied to be fully satisfied to to have joy unmeasured that's what blessed means Jesus, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. To be fully satisfied, to have joy unmeasured, are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. To be fully satisfied, to be overwhelmed with joy, are those who who mourn, mourn over their sin, mourn over the reality of their own sinfulness before God. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you for my name's sake, Jesus said. Fully satisfied, fully filled with joy. Full satisfaction, full unmeasured joy in things that the world would avoid at all cost. Mourning, persecution, pain, struggle, death. Fully satisfied, and those with joy unmeasured are the dead. 
say, why? Why Why are the, the dead fully satisfied? Why are the dead those with unmeasured joy? Well, there are three truths that I want us to see this morning here in these two verses. Three truths concerning this reality, concerning this declaration. And these are the three. One, their practice in life. Their practice in life. Two, their position in death. And three, their reception because of death. One, their practice in life. Two, their position in death. And three, their reception because of death. So why are the dead blessed? First, because of their practice in life. Verse 12 says, Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and faith and their faith in Jesus. We need to understand something about Christians, about true Christianity, about those who have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the wording of these, this verse here defines for us the constancy of those keeping the commandments of God and faith in Jesus. In other words, they are blessed in death only because they have responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby believed in the Son of God who is Jesus Christ. Here is the perseverance of the saints. It is because of that faith that the authority of the Word of God and the affection for Jesus Christ dominates their life. This is how they lived. Even though they live in a world, as John is seeing it from the perspective of heaven looking at the tribulation, even though they live in a world that is completely rank with satanic conditions. seems rather pointless for us that live here in the 21st century in our day and age to speak of persecution. To speak of things that are labeled as persecution because we claim Christ. When in fact, most oftentimes, it's not really persecution at all. And yet, many who claim Christ, even under that kind of So-called persecution oftentimes run and are quiet about their so-called faith when others ask about it. And yet here in verse 12, here are those who will face horrific persecution with constant obedience and unwavering faith in Jesus Christ. This is how they live. Jesus is the object of their faith. Jesus is who they serve. Jesus isn't something that's simply attached to their life by word, by some kind of group fascination, by what I call meringue faith, which is all whipped up to a frenzy, has all the volume but no substance. It's not that kind of thing. This is real faith. This is those who are... who where Jesus Christ is the actual object of their faith, they hold on at the risk of their very lives. They hold on even when everything that 
even hints of the true God and of Christ in their life as others see it, even though all of that is under the ban of Antichrist. They still hold on to their faith. Listen, there is no way to prove Christian character better or to cause it to grow faster than under real persecution. Like no faster a growing pattern for the true church than persecution. You want to know where the fastest growing church is in the world? It's in the place where persecution happens the most in our day and age when it comes to Christianity, and that is communist China. It's the fastest growing church, even though it's most often an underground church. Because there's a cost to your faith. There's a cost to following Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a, a real cost to you of arrest and of, of imprisonment and of even death if you claim Christ, if you teach Christ, if you have an open call for Jesus Christ that isn't state approved. Back here in chapter 14, verse 12 says, here is the perseverance of the saints. You want to see perseverance? You want to see endurance? Here's the perseverance of the saints. Jesus described this in Matthew chapter 24, talking about the end times. Jesus speaking of these very same times in chapter 24 and verse 13. He said, he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. Endurance, the picture of those who who have real faith. This is endurance. This is perseverance. This is long-suffering. All synonyms for those who are truly saved. You want to see perseverance? It's seen in those who keep the commandments of God. You want to see the perseverance of the saints? It's seen in those, even in the darkest of times, even when it doesn't seem to make sense in the world's eyes, they follow Jesus Christ. Their faith continues in Christ, even when the world is against that from a human perspective. You want to see perseverance? That's it. Here's the perseverance of the saints. Maybe we even recall the words of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus said, do not fear the one who can kill the body, but are not able to kill your your very soul. Don't fear that one. Fear him who's able to destroy both the body and soul and cast them into hell. The word hell is an interesting word. It's the word Gehenna in the original language. Gehenna. Gehenna was the place where they took out all the garbage and burned it. It was the garbage incinerator place outside the city. It's the same word, Gehenna, that corresponds to the whole idea in verse 10 of chapter 14 of Revelation where he will be tormented with fire and brimstone. This place of continual burning, this place of continual torment, this place of continual pain. So here in Revelation, it is better to endure physical death at the hands of Antichrist than to share an eternal death with Antichrist. You see, here is perseverance of the saints. 
This isn't the life of those who do not know Jesus Christ. That's described in verses 9 through 11. Those who follow after the Antichrist. Those who worship the beast. Those who receive all that the beast is about and his markings upon them. That's the worship of the Antichrist. But here is the perseverance of the saints. Those who follow the commandments of God. Those who keep their faith in Jesus Christ. And so God says, happy are the dead in the Lord because of how they lived for the Lord when they were alive. You see, you can kill the body. That's easy enough to do, but you'll never kill saving faith. Never kill faith, true faith in Jesus Christ. Why? It always perseveres. Because God is always preserving His own. So happy are the dead because of how they lived while they were alive. There's a second truth, though, here about the dead. Happy are the dead because of how they died. Happy are the dead because of how they died. Look at what he says. And I heard a voice from heaven, verse 13, saying, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. They lived with perseverance. They died in the Lord. Let's make no mistake about it here. This is God speaking. When it says, I heard a voice from heaven, that is is God speaking. Angels certainly say things in our study of Revelation, but this is God again. We have seen this very same kind of thing back in chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse Four And when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, that is God going, right? I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken and do not write them. That's God telling John that those things cannot be written down, cannot be said. In chapter 11 and verse uh, 12, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. That's God commanding those to come up to heaven. And they went up to heaven in the cloud and their enemies beheld them. It's talking about the two witnesses who were killed by the Antichrist. And then God raises them and then ascends them into the glories of heaven right before the eyes of the watching world. Of course, in 14.2, I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters, like the sound of a loud thunder. The voice which I heard was like the harpist playing on their harps. This is God speaking. Over in chapter 18, we see that again in chapter 18 and verse 4. Same thing. I heard a voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. That's God talking. And so here in chapter 14 and verse 13, this is the same voice. I heard a voice from heaven. This is God. It's almost as if John is so amazed at what he is seeing, at at these persevering through it. And God is saying, listen, John, get back to the task at hand. Write this down. It's almost as if God has to command John to be shaken out of his awe at what he's seeing in reference to the saints who are being carried through by God, preserved by God, and persevering in their obedience to God and their faith in Jesus Christ, that God is almost saying, listen, John, write this down. This is important. Don't forget this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. 
To die in the Lord is to die as a believer in Jesus Christ. To die in the Lord is to die in the state of blessing. That's not new. That's not new to us. That doesn't seem rather overly profound to us as Christians, especially anybody who's been in the Christian faith any length of time. Anybody who's faced a funeral where someone has died and they are a believer. We know this. We think of it often. Especially when someone we know dies in the Lord. It's this that brings us comfort. They have died in the Lord because immediately they, being saved, are in the presence of the Lord. We know that. The Bible clearly says that. Psalm 116 and verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. No surprise then to us that the Apostle Paul could at the same time proclaim in 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your sting? For those who are in, in the Lord, death has no real sting. The grave, where is your victory, Paul said. There is no victory of death. There is no victory over the saint. The saint is in the Lord. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Blessed are those who die with a relationship to the living God through Jesus Christ. Listen, no one else is blessed. Only those who are blessed are those who die in the Lord. Blessed are they. Not only because they lived a life in constant obedience and trust to the Lord, but because they now know in death the fullest reward of the promise of being in the Lord. What a joy. What an amazing reality John is seeing. Blessed are the dead because of how they lived on earth. Blessed are the dead because of how they died. The state of being in which they were in is in the Lord. It's not in anything else. They're the ones who are fully satisfied. And then, and then this third one. And I think I, I love this one the most. I, I have a love for all of these declarations by God here, but I, but I love this one the most because this one is the most shocking to me. Their reception because of their death. And I think this one is the one that's most encouraging to me. He says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow with them. I love this because it's not what you might expect. We might expect some kind of solemn, somber mood here. We might expect some quietness. We might expect some slow-played hymn over the organ of heaven. We might expect that some kind of divine pat on the back to those who are mourning a loss of someone. But that isn't what God does. That's not what the Holy Spirit is doing when someone dies in the Lord. That's not what, what heaven is doing when some faithful saint dies the holy spirit look at it is going yes one of god's children no longer has to fight the war yes god the spirit yes one of god's children no longer has to labor and strive against sin and the enemy yes 
the battle, the war against sin and the flesh is over. Listen, there is a happy exclamation point in the realms of heaven by God the Spirit when a saint dies. There is a a happy, yes, finally it's over for them. This is the Holy Spirit saying, I am so thankful they died. I am glad they're out of the world. I love this. This is proof positive to us, not that we didn't know this before, but this is the declaration by God that the Holy Spirit is on the side of the saint. He wants their sorrows to be over. Yes, to their death. So that they may rest from their labors. This word labor, it means to wear yourself out. Wear yourself out. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like that against sin? Man, I'm just wearing myself out against this thing. The Holy Spirit's saying, yes, that they might rest from wearing themselves out. Now remember, during the tribulation, it's going to be worse than it ever was for any saint. Anybody who gets saved, it's going to be worse than ever for them to live. Life will be filled with the greatest of sadnesses. Why? Because Antichrist will be killing the children. He will be killing the parents. He will be killing spouses mercilessly. Anyone who does not conform to the worship of Him, who does not convert themselves to the worship of Him, will be immediately obliterated by Him. If you're one who has faith in Jesus Christ, as we've already seen, this whole economic system will change because you will not be able to buy or sell except if you have the mark upon you, chapter 13, verse 17 says. So you'll have no means for economic anything. You'll be hunted down by those who hate Jesus Christ and hate anything of God and want no Christianity at all, no faith in Jesus Christ. But then you die. And when you die, you rest. All those labors are over. All that wearing yourself out is over. And when you die... When the saint of the tribulation dies or when any saint dies, the Holy Spirit goes, yes. Notice, notice the worshipers of the beast never get rest. Verse 11, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast will die, but their life forever in eternity will be a life of unrest day and night, a life of continual torment. And yet the worshipers of God, the worshipers of Jesus Christ, the Christians, though they may die for their faith, they will rest both now and forever. They are in the perpetual rest of God. We heard that in Ephesians or Hebrews chapter 4. Let us make sure we enter that rest. It's the only rest in which there is real rest. It is the rest of Jesus Christ. It is the rest we find by faith in Jesus Christ. We rest now and we will rest forever. And notice, notice, 
it says, their service follows them, for their their deeds follow with them. Deeds, their work, their their service. What they did in service to Christ here on earth will follow us into the glories of heaven. You say, what does that mean? What does all that mean? It means that God is not going to forget your service to Him. God is not going to forget the deeds that you do out of a, that are born out of a heart of genuine service to Christ that you do here on earth for Him, for His glory. He's not going to forget any of that. All of that will follow you. When we Christians get to heaven, that record of your service will be with you and you will receive heavenly reward. No, not reward so that you can just squander it and peddle it away on your own desires because you will no longer know selfishness. You will no longer know sinfulness. And therefore, there will be no using it for your own selfish desires because that will not even be in existence for you anymore. And the rewards will all be a desire to give them back to the Lord as a grace and an honor to Christ who saved you. And I believe part of the reward is the rest. Part of the reward that we have is the rest that we have from striving on earth. It says, so that they may rest from their labors for or because their deeds follow with them. There's no more striving. There's no more wearing yourself out. No more struggle. It's effortless perfection in service to Christ and the glories of heaven forever. Serving Christ here and now is a constant battle. It's a battle against the flesh. It's a battle against the will. It's a battle to mortify the deeds of the flesh in service to Christ. And yet in the glories of heaven, it will be effortless. You won't have to wear yourself out. It will simply be the outworking of your own heart. No wonder the Spirit is so overjoyed by a saint's death. No wonder. We say far too often, blessed are the living. God says, blessed are the dead. We see the temporal, don't we? We see the here and now. God sees the eternal. God sees the reward. God sees the crown. God sees His children at home with Him. I was thinking about this as I was studying through this. I said, man, next time I do a funeral, I'm preaching this. This is, this is the joy for a Christian. This is the comfort for the soul of, of, of those who are here and who are facing the reality of someone who has gone home to be the Lord. This is eternal. This is the joy of the Lord. The Holy Spirit says, yes, I'm thankful they're with God. Jesus said to us, don't look at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. Don't look at the things that you see. Look at the things which you you do not see, for the things which you see are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, if we're comforted by what we know in part... If we're comforted by God, by what we don't see fully, how much more will we be comforted and thankful for the full revelation when we see God as He is? God says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. 
This is an amazing reality to us. Overwhelming, especially since we come this morning and we're going to face the reality once again, the reminder of the death of Jesus Christ. As we start to prepare our hearts for communion, I want to share with us a small note from someone who who intimately knows the reality of the resting of this very passage, the reality of the joy of one who persevered as a saint and who is blessed in death, to whom the Spirit says, yes, I'm glad there. This actually is a note written to us as Fellowship Bible Church. Note says this, please forgive me for taking so long to write. I am truly thankful and blessed with your ministry to me, to my family, to my church family at the time of my husband's homegoing, Russ. I don't even have the words to express my heart to you, but please know that we are all are grateful to you all. Your provision of food, your catering, your ministries and acts of kindness to my children. Your sharing your men to fill our pulpit and your prayer have overwhelmed us. And we appreciate you all more than we can say. God bless you all. Many ask for updates, so I'll, so I'll tell you we are all we all have rough patches here. But by God's grace, we're going to make it through. We can laugh about things Russ did and said, and we have so many wonderful memories, including the fact. That he always told people he was going to go first. Because he didn't want to be alone. He was right. He's so happy where he is. We have to be happy for him. Trusting Jesus. That is all. Becky Wing. Becky understands the reality of this passage. And the blessedness of those who die in the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we know that you love your children more than we could ever love. We know that you are so gracious to save. And that you're the God of blessing. No greater blessing could we have in life than to die in the Lord. And so thank you for that reminder and comfort today. Thank you for the comfort this truth brings to our hearts upon the memories of family and friends whom you've taken home out of our presence. They are so happy where they are. We must be happy with them and for them. Thank you that your spirit rejoices in our ultimate rest. Thank you that you will never forget what has been so honorably born for you through adverse conditions here on this earth. 
Thank you for preserving the faith of those who are yours. Even through the worst of tribulation to come. May you be praised through it all. Because of our Savior Jesus Christ. Happy indeed are your saints. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.